Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Um, we're in a place where we're actually going to be starting a new series today. And uh, I've titled this series, We is Greater Than Me. And uh, I firmly believe that we've been created for relationship. And too much of our world, I think, operates in the solo lanes. And I believe a part of the activation, which I planned this series a little while ago, um, but I think a part of it is actually about the activation of relationship within the church as well. And that includes generationals, like the old and the young, coming together. I believe that there is seasons where we're in right now as the, the demographics that we find ourselves in. There's a strength right there. Hendo, you can grab a seat, mate, by the way. Um, everyone say thank you to Hendo. Um, legend. He's a legend because he's officially wearing a flannel. Uh, we're in flannel weather right now. Um, I'm loving it. I think this will be the new winter outfit. I'm going to go to Kmart and ask for three more flannels and say this is my new winter outfit. I can't wait. It's be fantastic. Um, I think you're more spiritual when you wear a flannel, so go for it, guys. Do it. Um, yeah, we're starting a new series. We is greater than me. Um, Genesis 2, actually Genesis 1 spends a lot of time sharing and talking about the fact of how impressed God was with what he created. He often will create something, he says, lights, it was good. He'll create land, it was good. The waters, it was good. He talks about the fact, you know, animals and the hippos and the giraffes and the koalas and he says, and they're all good. He goes along and talks about how he creates man and he says, it was really good. And we get to at the end of chapter 1 and there's a lot of good going on. And that's really fantastic. But then we find ourselves in a place where I think it's verse 18 of chapter 2 of Genesis. God, for the very first time, he comes out and says something. He says, and this was not good. What was that? It was not good for man to be alone. Now, this is not just talking about a marriage situation. This is actually talking about it's not good for us to be alone. I won't get into it for too long, but I actually believe one of the challenges, one of the downsides, or one of the things I didn't necessarily agree about all the lockdowns we had a few years ago, was that it actually created this space of that man was finding themselves more and more alone. But I find myself in days and times now where we are called to be together. We've been created for relationship. We've been created for community. We need a church family. We need a family to be a part of. We need friendship. And I believe that we're not going to fulfill all the things that God has for us unless we find ourselves connected in what I call divine relationships. Divine relationships. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk to parenting. I've actually asked Chris or O'Connor next week for Mother's Day. Heads out there to all the dads. Mother's Day is next week, so get yourself organised this week. A um, little, little hint is... Um, I actually already organised mine already, so I'm ahead of the game. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. It's not always like that. But Chris O'Connor, who's our kids pastor, who's got so much wealth of wisdom to share, she's going to be speaking into this area of parenting. Uh, we're going to be speaking into the area of marriage. We're actually speaking into the area of singleness as well. We're going to speak into church family. Um, 
In fact, actually, the, the, the night we actually do singleness, so I actually want to, um, we're going to do a special service, and we'll quick little shout out, we did a promo for that on the 21st of this month. Uh, we're going to speak into that, and, and not necessarily going to speak into just singleness, I actually want to speak into, uh, and bring a bit of more of a voice into this space, because our world's gone crazy when it comes to sexuality. And I want to speak a bit of a, bit of a, a, bit of a word, a bit of truth in and around this area of sexuality. And so it won't be just for our young adults. It'll be, I actually want to encourage any parent who's also a parent, particularly if you're a parent of teenagers or you want to get upskilled in this space, to come along to this night. There'll be a bit of teaching that goes into this space where we actually bring some sounds, soundness into this, in this crazy world that we live in, particularly in the area of sexuality and purity and those things. So, but today, I want to speak into friendship. Look to the person next to you and say, friendship. Friendship, friendship, friendship. And now my title for today, um, and often I'll try and think of titles that actually help us to really engage and, and really dive into this a lot more. But I actually really believe that God was calling me to actually title this The Supernatural Power of Friendship. The Supernatural Power of Friendship. If you've got your Bibles here today, turn to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And... Uh, it starts like this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. For those that don't know, Capernaum was the place where Jesus was living during this time. Um, it was his hometown. And the people had gathered to come and hear him teach. Oh, that we would be a generation that would want to be in a place where we come to hear the word of God, that we want to engage in the word of God, that, that when we open up our scriptures, when we are in our cars, that we want to be find ourselves flocking to the place where Jesus is. So they gathered in a large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So picture this, his home is just packed, it's jammed, filled with people both inside and outside. And he preached the word to them. Some of them came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Imagine you're the homeowner. <laughs> like, what are you doing up there? Jesus saw their faith. Like it says, he saw their faith. It wasn't necessarily the faith of the man being carried. It was the faith of the friends who were carrying the man during the time. I love the desperation that these men had for their friends. I want to talk a little bit today about the kind of friendship that I'm praying that our church will indeed have, both inside this building but also outside as well. He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, like I said beforehand, I want to speak to this area today of supernatural power of friendship. I believe that there is super, that the supernatural exists and something happens when the right people are connected in what I would call divine relationships. Father God, help us today. I pray that today may indeed be a day where our hearts are indeed open, our ears are open to your word, they're inclined into your word, Lord Father. That God, today the word may indeed not just be a voice, but it will be a revelation to our hearts. That God, as we meditate on this, both now and into our future, God, you may indeed transform us from the inside out. God, we pray for transformation. We don't pray just to come and be here today and tick off a box, but rather through worship, through word, through connection with you today, I pray for hearts to be renewed, minds to be enlightened, Lord Father, 
And Lord, freedom to be given into hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I mentioned beforehand that I believe that God operates in a few different ways. We won't go into too much depth today. But one area that he operates is in seasons. Another area that he operates in is how he positions us. And the last area that I think that he will operate is, is, is a God of people. Now, this is not necessarily extensive. You're not necessarily going to find this in a theological school. <laughs> but this is where I want to break down a few thoughts for us here today, that he's a God of seasons, he's a God of position, and he's a God of people. And there's a very more extensive nature to him as well. But when we're talking about seasons, then we start to talk about things like, well, he's a God of timings. You've ever felt in there, they've been in a season where perhaps the timing is not necessarily your timing, but you've got to trust in God's timing. Mm-hmm. You know, been there before? Yeah. Who's there right now? <laughs> we find ourselves in times where God will operate in different seasons. When it comes to positioning, there is the positioning of us finding ourselves in connecting in terms of, sorry, in, in being in the right place. Who's heard the saying, right place, right time? We find ourselves where we are called for certain seasons, for certain times, to be in the right place. I believe right now you guys are in the right place. I don't believe God's got a coincidence. I believe you're here for the right time and the right place. But then God is also a God of people. He talks to this idea of connection, of community. And here's something that I've witnessed over time is that so many people in their lives, when they understand the season they're in, when they understand the position they've called to, when they know the people they're meant to be called around, then when there's an alignment there, there's often a health, there's often a fruit. But the moment we find ourselves in times where we actually stray away from these things, we choose to do our own thing in these things, we find ourselves uh, actually going down the wrong path. But whenever these things are being ignored, people will often find themselves venturing down directions that aren't necessarily all that healthy for them. They no longer have the right people in their life. Or they're no longer in the right place that God's called them to for this particular season. Perhaps we've gotten impatient with God's timing and we find ourselves starting to force things that God never intended to be forced during that time. And we find ourselves in a place where there's not necessarily a whole heap of health in that regards. And so I guess this series is really talking today about wanting to establish this idea of the people in our lives, that I believe God's placed in our lives. We understand that God has given us gifts of people, not just people we are called to tolerate. <laughs> Who's got some people you tolerate at times? <laughs> Who's their spouse? No, don't say that. We need community. We need spiritual family. We need to find ourselves in, in, in friendships. And one of the reasons, and I was doing a bit of research on the plane home, one of the reasons why this is important is actually a principle called the Jihadi window. The Jihadi window. And I won't go into all the details again here today, but real quickly, the Jihadi window talks about four different areas of relationships that are important for having voices and perspectives come into it. So the arena, the arena are things that you can see and I can see. Let me give you an example. I know I'll never be a world-class jockey, okay? You know I'll never be a world-class jockey. You see it, I see it. Pity that horse that has to carry me for that time in any way right now. 
unless it's a Clydesdale, that horse has got no chance in carrying me too fast anywhere. You see it, I see it. It's important um, in terms of, um, as, 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 and this is the kind of space where, in terms of other people in our world, it can be a space where encouragement can come into a will. So the first one um, is, is an arena. Next one is our, our blind spots. Who's got some blind spots in their world? I do. So a blind spot is all about you see it, I don't necessarily see it. We need people in our worlds to be able to identify things in our world you cannot see. If I ask you right now, can you describe my nose to me? You've got a much better ability to tell me what my nose looks like than what I do without me going really badly cross-eyed for a long time. We need people in our worlds to be able to identify things in us that perhaps we don't see that you definitely see. Um, anyone ever seen an episode of like Australian Idol or those kind of talent shows where they go on those shows thinking that they're the world's best singer and they sound like dying cats going on the whole time. You think, why did no one ever tell them this? Maybe because there's been a blind spot in their world that they couldn't necessarily identify. Okay, next one is the facade. Next one is facade. These are the things that I see, but I don't want you to see. This is where often like sin will exist. This is where, as even in church family, we find ourselves in times where we can actually have masks that we put on and we try and hide things. We try and show that things are all together. We actually need to be really careful this particular kind of space because this is where actually pride can get in the way of being able to be open and vulnerable and actually engage with other people in our world this way. Um, then there's another area, probably the fourth area this principle talks about, is the unknown space. This is the mystery of life. This is the area where you need people to walk through you because you don't necessarily know where you'll be in five years, 10 years, 15 years, etc. Can I tell you, just, I had never, ever anticipated I'd ever be leading a church five years ago, probably 10 years ago. Never, never been my wildest dreams. As a kid, I could barely even get a word out because I had such a bad stutter going on that public speaking was as far away as, as where I thought I'd ever be. And there's a mystery of life that God will take us on. This is where faith is activated. And, but good people in our worlds as well that will draw things out, that will support with you, that will stand by you. This is why we need to have powerful friendships in our world. These different spaces, a blind spot will be a place where you have permission for certain people to bring correction or to give wisdom into your world. But if we're, if we're doing all these things by ourselves... What happens is that no one gives encouragement, no one gives encouragement, no one gives counsel, and we find ourselves walking a path that is actually really unhealthy for us. God has created every single person for relationship. Maybe today, as I share some of these things, it's, 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 it's like activating something that's been difficult because friendship or perhaps even singleness or parenting or the things that we're going to talk about this time will be difficult to be able to take on board. I want to encourage you here that I believe that God's got an encouragement for us here that will be really helpful for every single person, wherever you may find yourself. Supernatural power of friendship. I've got three simple points today. I keep things pretty simple, but I want to encourage you today. I believe they're powerful. Number one, I already mentioned before, we need friends. We need friends. 
It's not, it's not all that spiritual, I get, but we need friends. And here's why. Verse 3 of Mark 2, it says, Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man. Who's him? That was Jesus. Bringing Jesus a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. They carried the man. Eventually, you're going to need someone in your world to help, you, to help carry you. Eventually, you're going to find yourself in a time where you're going to need to borrow some courage. Eventually, you're going to find yourself in a time where you're going to need to borrow some faith. Eventually, you're going to find yourself in a time where you're going to need to borrow some prayer of somebody. Eventually, you're going to find yourself in a time where you're going to need to have people in your world come and pick you up because you've fallen down. And I want to encourage us that there is a lie out there that you can do it on your own. You know, the devil's plans are to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. But so often what he'll do beforehand, sorry, I spat out there. Um, before, what will happen is that he'll often try and isolate first. Disconnection and isolation is not your friends. I want to encourage you. This is not necessarily a thing between extroverts and introverts. We all need friendship. I'm actually talking about the kind of friends that when most of us will have one or two of these kind of friends I'm talking about right now. You might be surrounded by lots and lots of people. But I'm talking about the kind of friend here today that will actually be the kind of friend that we can speak into these specific areas here today. And I encourage us, we need to be on the journey of activating and being intentional about diving into these things. I want you to look at the people right next to you. Actually, behind you, in front of you. Just look around right now. Give them a bit of an awkward smile. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> Again, all the introverts right now are thinking, oh, kill me now, Dan, don't do this to me. <laughs> Chances are we have very little idea about what's going on in their worlds. Chances are that we might know real surface things, but if we were to scratch a few layers, there's so much going on in our worlds right now that most of us have zero idea about what's going on. And again, this is why we need people to walk the tricky journeys that we find ourselves in. Because the devil has field days with those who are isolated. Absolute field days. Let's dive into some. Uh, let's take, dive into some scripture here. One Thessalonians, verses, chapter five, verses eleven says, "Therefore, whenever we read the word therefore, we need to look at what's happened previously." Uh, Paul just talked about how the fact that Christ has died for us; He's made us a church, like basically a, a family. And then it says, "Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up." In a world that loves to tear down. My prayer is that we'll have the voice of encouragement rather than criticism that flows in our church, that flows in our church family and your families around you as well. Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. It's often a misquoted scripture that's just about marriage. It's not just about marriage. It's about relationship. It says, Two are better off than one. For they can, look at the reason, for they can help each other succeed. If only we lived in a day where we were less concerned about who got the credit and more concerned about let's make sure the person next to us succeeds. What a powerful thing that would be as a church. That when we are less concerned about I get the credit for this and that, but I want to make you succeed. What a powerful part of that is. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, look at it, is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying too close together. This is a marriage connection, by the way, guys. Um, <laughs> lying too close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm without? Uh, the, uh, sorry, how can one be warm alone? 
A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Look at Proverbs Proverbs 11, verses 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. Notice here, it's not just the person falls, the people around them fall. We need counsel. We operate in a world today where, again, there's probably this lie out there of either I can't go to somebody because of what they might judge about me, or B, I've got all the answers. Can I encourage us, particularly when it comes to making big decisions in your world, find trusted sources to bounce things off with people. It says here, where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counsellors, there's safety. There's something safe about counsel. There's something about wisdom is in seeking from others. There's something safe about correction and being challenged by a few people around us. You know, I've had times in my, in my, my world, um, both recently and, and, and long term, where there's been big decisions that we have had to make. I'll still never forget probably one of the most important decisions that Ali and I had to make was what church will we go to when we got married? I wasn't a part of this church 15 or say 15, 16 years ago. And we had to make this call around, well, where are we going to go? Are we going to go to the church that I belong to or the church that Ali belongs to? And we had a few thoughts and we had a few decisions that we wanted to make during that particular time. And we had sort of come to a rough idea. But before we actually kind of like concrete that idea in place, we actually went to three or four different trusted voices. We asked for their counsel. And here's the thing about counsel. You've got to understand that you don't go to counsel with your mind already made up and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And again, we get, unfortunately, we get, the, get mistaken a little bit where we think, I'll just go and tell someone else what I want to do, but I'm not actually seeking any kind of wisdom from that particular moment. But what we did is we had, we had an idea. We went to prayer. We went to, to asking God about this particular idea. And so that you guys know, it was here. <laughs> um, the proof's in the pudding that way, I guess. But we actually went to three or four other individuals and we said, hey, what do you think? Can you guys go and pray? Can we have a bit of ideas around what you think? And interestingly enough, those three or four voices all said the same thing. There is wisdom in seeking counsel. There's wisdom in reaching out from those who are trusted sources in your world. Okay, so number one, we need friends. Number two, the friends that you choose matters. The friends that you choose matters. It's not just about having friends. It's about choosing right friends. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 26, it says... The righteous choose their friends carefully. And here's what the Bible says about the paralyzed man. It says that they were roof-tearing down friends. (laughs) I like that. We need some friends that will be on the front foot when it comes to being roof-tearing kind of friends. We want some friends that will be like whatever it takes kind of friends to stand by you that when the world walks out, they're the ones walking through. They're the kind of friends that say, hey, I haven't seen you in church for a few weeks. Come and I'm picking you up. Come on down. We're going to go to church together. They're the kind of friends that says, I'm going to bring you towards God as opposed to further away from God. I see the mistakes so often where people see people, uh, life challenge goes on instead of actually flowing with friendships, like God friends, divine friendships, they start going to different kind of friends that actually take them away from their relationship with God. We need to find ourselves in days where we have 
the roof-tearing-down kind of friends. And right now, you're probably thinking, do I have that kind of friend? <laughs> I, want to, I want to stir us up here today. This is, I believe, what God's calling us to be able to have. And not just have, but also be. We need to be these people in order to have these people as well. Friendship and relationship is always two-way. And so often we're more intrigued by this idea of having these things. We're actually not necessarily in a place where you're desiring to, to put the work in to be those things as well. You've heard it before. I want to say it again. Show me your friends. We'll show you your future. Our friendships are so often like a mirror that what we see in them will often be the thing that we become as well. The closest people in my life are shaping me and directing me. And like an elevator, they're either bringing you up or they bring you down. They're leveling you up or they're leveling, leveling you down. Let me go a little bit further. Can I encourage and speak to all the parents just for a moment right now? You can actually have influence around what friends your children have. Some of the teens right now are saying, oh, be quiet, Dan. Just wind it up now, Dan. You've had enough, Dan. I enjoyed it last week when you weren't here, Dan. <laughs> but you can have real influence over the friends that your children have. I, I do a bit of stalking sometimes around, my, around the parents of my daughter's friends. I want to see what kind of fruit that they are producing. I want to see what kind of value set that they have. I want to see is that if I send my daughter off to a birthday party or something like that, am I going to be happy for them to be, my daughter to be in their house? I've got a responsibility to be able to shape that. Can I encourage all parents here today, you're, this is an important thing, as we talk about friendship, you're not called to be their friends. You're called to be their, to be their parents. And I think I once heard Jay John say one time, if you parent your child when they're young, you get to be their friend when they're older. But the other way around, you're still parenting them when they're 30 and 40 years old. And we see a crisis in today, particularly among men, I believe, of little boys who never grow up. And I've actually got a compassion on some of those 30 and 40-year-old men because I actually don't think necessarily they're being parented the way they should have been parented back in the time as well. Parents, you can shape your friendships so the friendships of your children. You can put boundaries appropriately around that and feel that you have the responsibility and the authority to do that here today. A bit more scripture. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 33 says, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Watch this. The good and the right person in the wrong environment becomes the wrong person. Proverbs 27 verses 5 to 6. Better is the rebuke than the hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. What's that saying? Just because they're good to you doesn't mean they're good for you. This idea of multiplying kisses, this is the difference between something like flattery and encouragement. This is where people telling you what, they want, what you want to hear as opposed to what you need to hear. This is where, again, the counsel comes so important. I've had times... Probably not that many times, but a couple of times where I've had an idea of what I believe is right, I've gone to a trusted source and they've said something different. And this is where I need to come to a place where I don't have my preconceived ideas put in concrete. And I've been able to actually hear, instead of being offended by what they had to say because it's different, I've been able to take on that 
and realise, okay, this is what I actually need. You've, given, you've actually taken the blinkers off and I'm going to see the whole perspective right now. But if we just go to people who are going to be like telling us whatever we want to hear all the time, that becomes a really dangerous place for us to operate because um, it's not healthy for us. Young people, I want to encourage you here today. Be careful not to choose boyfriends and girlfriends purely out of availability and convenience. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a, oh, a bit of a clap there. Um, it's like, hey, man, all right, go. Um, you be careful of this because what happens is that we find ourselves in places where if we're just choosing partnership or even friendship out of convenience, but well, they're available, I'm available. It's a bit like saying, well, you're breathing, I'm breathing. <laughs> or I'm bored, you're bored. Let's hook up. <laughs> we, we've got to be really careful of that kind of mode. I'm looking at you guys, but also talking to, to everyone here today because what can happen is that we find ourselves lowering standards purely out of availability as opposed to actually finding the substance and the character that actually God's called us to pursue and see. <laughs> we choose the wrong friends sometimes. We wonder why we have the wrong spouses at times. And even speaking very quickly to the area of singleness, I want to encourage that anyone who is single today, that actually be that God's, Paul says that singleness can be a gift. Yeah. And we probably elevated marriage into a place where it's good, and it's right, and I love it, but it also can be, babe, I still love you. She's like, <laughs> what are you saying right now? But what can be happen is that we actually can become like an idol as well for the thing we don't necessarily have right now. Good things can become idols. We've got to be careful of making that thing the idol. But rather, there's actually gifts in every single season that God has given us, and singleness is one of those things. But if we can find ourselves being great friends, if you surround yourself in the right kind of peer connection, you're far more likely lining up with the right person at one point than rather going down to the club and being desperate and finding yourself hooking up with whoever it might be. Yeah. All right, so a bit practical to you. And you probably need to listen to the podcast because I'm going to wind this up pretty quickly. Um, Seven thoughts around how to choose good friends. Number one, they have a genuine desire to know and follow after Jesus. Number two, the vocabulary that they have lends heavily towards encouragement and life. Number three, the quality of the people around them. So often you can look at, well, you surround yourself with drop kicks. Your chances are you're a drop kick too. <laughs> Number four, how they spend their time and their money. I'm looking for what are their values and their priorities? What's their generosity? What's, what's the inside look like in them? Number five, their fruit of their lives. What are they producing in the world? Number six, if they're married, how do they treat their spouse? If they're parents, how do they treat their children? Number seven, importantly, I think, how do you feel after you leave them? <laughs> are they the kind of people that when they walk into your world, you're like, oh, I get to see them. Or are they the kind of people thinking, oh my gosh, I'm on the edge the whole time? If that's the case, you probably need to drop them. Very special, wasn't that, hey? <laughs> drop it like it's hot. <laughs> Some of you are thinking right now, oh my goodness, I need some new friends. What's going on? <laughs> Lastly, and I'm going to get a hand out to come up. Lastly, and this is a lie I believe that the world sold, you don't need lots of friends. You don't need lots of friends. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 18, verses 24, it says, A person with too many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
This man, he had four friends. Now, I don't know what his other friendships look like. I don't know, but I know he had four friends. I think every single one of us probably needs between two and five or six of these kind of friends. I've got lots of people in my world. If you know me, I'm very happy to go and say hi to anyone. Ali constantly was getting annoyed when I was overseas because I'd go and say hi. Especially if I heard an Australian accent, I'm like, I'm going there. <laughs> like, where are you from? How are you going? It's like, as if you're best friends. Like, So I've got no problems with going and saying hi and being involved in people's lower worlds. But you'd probably actually be quite surprised with the fact of, of how many close friends I have. Now, we're all probably the same here. The, our, our worlds, particularly when we're talking about some of these principles we're talking about right now, the worlds are probably actually quite small in regards to this collection. Now, here's the problem. The world will sell. You need more friends. Lots and lots and lots and lots. But what this actually leads to is something I believe called something like crowded loneliness. Crowded loneliness. Where we've got people in our world. Can I say, even in our church outside, this can happen in the outside. We've got to be careful of this. I just feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking and moving right now. Maybe even some people here today have found themselves in times, even within the church, maybe it's within society, of feeling crowded loneliness. Instagram and Facebook does not help this. I've got 1,000 followers. I've got 2,000 followers. I've got X, Y, and Z. And we can feel like we've got people in our world, but in all reality, there's a lot of disconnection going on. Can I encourage us, don't sell yourself into the lie that the world has given of you need more and more and more. I'd suggest that we probably need two, three, four people in our world that we give permission. There's a responsibility on our side. We need to give permission. We need to give vulnerability. We need to give an availability for these kind of conversations that actually exist. This is why I'm so convinced that things like connect groups are so important for every single believer. Chances are you're not going to have these kind of conversations in church with every single person. If you are, stop it. You don't need to air your dirty laundry with every single person. Not even every person in your connect group. You actually need to find the one or two, and you'll know God will lead, and this is what I said before, God's giving the gifts of people, divine relationships to every single person. Maybe you're still looking for that. But can I encourage you? Be intentional. They take work. This requires energy and investment. In fact, the kind of people that you're looking for are probably people who are already pretty busy. Meaning, they've probably got jobs, <laughs> probably got families, they've probably got their life in places where there's enough fruit to suggest that they've, they've got things in order. This is why you need to actually plan things ahead. Get your diary out, make plans. Can I encourage this church, especially if you're in this place of feeling like, Dan, that's me, I'm, I feel like this crowded loneliness thing's going on. I want to encourage, part of this reason we're talking about this here today, because I want to put it out there to stir us up. A, to be the friends but also to have the friend that we go after as well. The second thought I want to pray for today, I want to make this practical. Maybe you've been listening to this message today and in your heart of hearts you're thinking, Dan, I've got one or two people in my world that are just not healthy for me, that aren't necessarily building me up. 
this voice of encouragement. I'm hearing more criticism. When I walk around, I feel like this manipulation or this control. Can I encourage you? We need to find ourselves the strength and the courage to not necessarily be jerks to them, but to distance healthily from them of what you say and how much permission you give into your world you might need to reconsider. I want to pray in just a moment that we'll have the courage, we'll have the insight and the wisdom to recognize this. But Josh, I want to help us here today. I want to pray that we will have good friends that are going to lead us closer to Jesus and not further away. But particularly those two people, two groups of people. If you're feeling that crowd of loneliness, or if you're feeling like the sense of, I'm believing the Holy Spirit right now is actually calling me to distance myself a little bit, I want to pray for you right now. In your own way, I want you to connect with, connect with this prayer. You say, God, I want you to help me in this place. As you walk through this series, help me, I pray. Why don't you close your eyes? Bow your heads. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Thank you.